Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. In uh, the book of Luke, this, uh, the writer hits us with this series of stories that are so powerful and so intense, and it's one after another. So you begin to ask the question, what is, what is Luke up to here? And this question is answered pretty blatantly in this particular story. It's about the authority of Jesus. It's about who this person of Jesus is. And it's about what Jesus has in mind for all of us. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you that there is not a story of your people that we can't reach in and find ourselves in. There's not a story that is so historical and outdated that we can't feel it, experience it, and grow from it. And we thank you for that. Enlighten us today, O God. Let it be your spirit that opens the doors of our heart and mind to receive your word. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So Jesus had just calmed the storm. I started thinking about this, how this story has become such a familiar story with us that we tend to gloss over it sometimes. But it's so powerful. I began thinking, what if, what if Jesus were standing on the shore when, when Storm Michael came rolling across the sea and Jesus just said, be still? I mean, that would have been something or Hurricane Katrina, or Hugo, or all of the other storms that we've ever heard of, if Jesus would have said, be still, and, and all of a sudden birds were singing and the sun came out, that would have been somewhat miraculous. That would have been overwhelming and stunning. And so this particular story is a story that leads us to that incredible tension that who is this man that even the storms obey him. They listen to his voice. And it's this same man that steps off of the shore and is met by something quite unexpected. So reading from Luke 8, 26 to 39. Then they, meaning Jesus and the disciples, arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As they stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For even then Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. And Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding. This lets us know that this is Gentile country. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. 
Then the demons came out of the man and into the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a woman drawing water from a well or a man wrestling with a stubborn mule out in the field. And suddenly you look up and there on the road you see him, that crazy guy, the madman, the violent one who spits and claws, the one who all the children threw rocks at most of his life, the one who kept your neighborhood from feeling like a place that was safe for you. And now this one who supposedly lived only among the dead, who were the only ones who would put up with him, and you had all been relieved when he left. You were all relieved, every single one of you. And you had finally known peace, the first peace that you had known since that man had been born into your town. Oh, yes, you whispered to the new neighbor. Oh, yes, the family is still here, by the way. But we don't hear much from them. They keep pretty silent, you know, low profile because, well, they should, after all, because they had to, they had to have known. They had to have known what this man was capable of. They must have done something that had God punishing him for such a crime that he would be driven completely crazy and be so violent. But now, here he is, that same one making his way back to the village. And here's the thing. You don't notice at first that he's clothed, and you don't notice that he's calm, and you don't notice that he is changed because so embedded in your memory is the face and what he has done and his actions and the way he repulsed you and the way he frightened your family and the way he tore apart gates and fences and acted like an animal. And that's, that vision is so embedded in your mind, you can't see him for who he is today. And so cynical are you that you know that there is nothing on earth, there is nothing or no one that can make a difference, that can change this man. And so you run as fast as you can to warn the others. And I wonder if there was a flurry of activity as mothers snatched their children off the streets and hid them under the beds in their house, 
and if the men were called in from the field so they could protect their families and protect their property. And I wonder when this man finally made his way into the town center, what he encountered. Did he encounter closed doors and shuttered windows? Was he greeted with a ghost town as he walked into that place, brimming and full of new news and of apologies and of sorrow and yet of great joy. He looks over and maybe there's a pot of water left on his side with all the, the water draining out into the dirt and the hot afternoon sun as though somebody had simply disappeared in the middle of a task. So this is my point. Is it any wonder that the man wanted to go with Jesus? When Jesus healed the man of his demons. I know he was probably grateful for that. And who wouldn't want to be with Jesus? But I wonder what he was going home to. He, after all, it doesn't say he had some kind of mind-numbing erasure of his before. He knew exactly who he was and where he'd been. But this is like Jesus. Go home, Jesus said. Go home and tell everybody what God has done for you today. In another place, he says, go home, woman. There's no one here to accuse you. God has freed you. Your faith has made you well. Go home, Samaritan woman. (laughs) Tell the village that shunned you about what God has done for you today, no matter how hard that was for that woman to go back into that village. Come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house today, he said. And over and over again, Jesus tells those who have experienced forgiveness and healing to go back, to go back to where they live and to continue their ordinary lives as people struck by the lightning of God's grace. Go home. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't call them to follow him? That Jesus doesn't say, follow me, and they become this this unbelievable, unbelievable collage of people that Jesus has touched just following him. They had the ability to overtake the country. 5,000 people were fed on on that hillside. A person healed here, a person healed there. Everywhere you turn, people are healed and well. And Jesus didn't tell them, follow me. Jesus said, go home and tell everybody what God has done for you. He calls them to do his work where they live. And he calls them to acknowledge that God is the healer. That's a lesson for us. That's a lesson for us in our ordinary lives as people who have been struck by the lightning of God's grace. I think it's it's certainly harder and more painful to go home when you haven't belonged there in a very long time. Ask anyone who's been released from prison. They come from a small town. When they go home, what do you think they're going to face? How do you think they would have felt if Jesus had said to them, okay, You've paid for your crime, now go home. Same way that Moses felt when when God called Moses and said, it's time for you to go back. And Moses said, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, I'm wanted as a murderer back there. 
And God said, go home, go back. I have work for you to do. I think it's a lot personally to expect those going home to care about those who were so cruel to them or who treated them so poorly or those to go back to those who are afraid and suspicious and wary and maybe when you go back they don't want to have anything to do with you and yet you know Jesus wants you to go home and he wants you to be generous and he wants you to share with all of those the same healing generosity that you've experienced and don't you think that it would be more likely that you might want them to experience being the outsider for a change. Don't you think that would be more normal for us to actually want to be on the inside for once and for all of those people to be wrong about us? Aren't we more likely to seek revenge or payback? But here's the thing. I have a hunch that this is the first step of the transformation, that, that this is the first step. Choosing light instead of dark. You have, the, right off the bat, you have an opportunity to choose light over darkness, to choose life over death in the way that you listen to Jesus and in the way you confront those who have been cruel, those who have been unkind. It's the first step of your transformation. I have a suspicion that Jesus has challenged each and every person to kind of try on this new skin made of compassion and grace. How does it feel? How does it fit? Does it make you feel different? And sharing your story becomes then a central part of the transformation process. Can we see how clear that is? We are not transformed in a heartbeat we are being transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit within us as we live our ordinary lives and our ordinary days relating to other people making decisions our mindset our attitude our life before God and center in that is sharing our story Legion, the demons replied, when Jesus asked their name. Legion. In other words, they said, too many for one man to handle. That was what they were insinuating. But you remember that they're facing off with the one who in the previous verses had authority over nature, had authority to still the hurricane, to calm the grade four incredibly unbelievable powerful storm hitting the Sea of Galilee this was the one that they were up against and if that wasn't enough they're facing off later in verses that will heal a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and the one who will come late to a little girl's house where there is only weeping because the child is dead and Jesus will say to her get up little girl and then he'll say to the parents, she's hungry, get her something to eat. You see, the extraordinary mixed in with the ordinary. Now, none of those were called to follow Jesus out into his ministry. They, they were called to be into their lives in that moment, in the ordinary, continuing their lives, being transformed by the sharing of their story. 
And then we have the demons who know him. We know who you are, they said. What do you have to do with us? Don't torment us. What nerve. But in a surprising and yet not too surprising reveal, they let Jesus know that they would rather be locked inside of a pig than go back to the abyss that they came from. And that story reminds us that living separated from God is the blackest hole you will ever find yourself in. Even the demons don't want to be in that place. The man and Jesus found in the tombs when they landed was being sucked into that black hole further and further away from God and the fruit of his spirit that was spreading like weeds in his soul were anger and violence and paranoia and hatred and dread and fear. Those were the fruits of his spirit at that time. And oh, we do not want to live in that darkness. And so they're cast into a herd of pigs. And the animals, who, by the way, have not sinned, have no sin for the demons to feed off of, they, they cannot bear such darkness. Even the animals can't bear that darkness. They're driven mad, and they kill themselves rather than live trapped with that inside of them. And the man... You know, the man, he goes home. And in the story, we don't know anything else that happened. But here's the thing. Jesus tells another story in scripture about a homecoming. His vision of a homecoming. And in that story, he describes a very different homecoming scenario than the more likely one I described for you at the beginning. It's a story about a father and two sons. And his youngest takes his inheritance, breaks his father's heart, and by the way, ends up broke and eating what the pigs eat. He chose the darkness, and now he can't stand the darkness anymore, and he goes home, and his father sees him from a distance. And the doors are not slammed and the shutters are not drawn across the windows. And people are not whispering behind his back as he makes his way home. He goes home and his father sees him from a distance. And his father runs as fast as he can and weeps and holds his son in his arms. He embraces him and then he throws him a grand banquet. The lost have been found, he says. You know, we don't know. We, we don't know why that garrison man lost his way. There have been all kinds of speculation of everything from physiological to psychological to simply demonic possession. That's not even the point. It doesn't matter. We just don't know. We don't know why he was only fit to live among the dead. I don't know if we know Each of us, I don't really know why any of us choose darkness over light when we do, but we do. We know people who live in the past, always, where everything is dead and only made of memory. They choose to live among the tombs. But don't you wish for that man 
And, and don't you wish for all of us that when we come stumbling home, a little beat up, maybe a lot beat up, maybe a lot ragged, but still breathing, that we would be welcomed with open arms. Don't you hope for that man, and don't you hope for each of us? The compassion and generous care and the extravagant love that the lost receive from God brings them home, and they live again. This resurrection story is here again. Once more, you, you die to live, and he's alive. And now we are the welcoming Christ. We are the Father whose arms are open wide. We have the opportunity to be that village in which the lost who are found come seeking a place to belong. We are the hometown, not running away, but preparing a banquet. We have to welcome them because they're part of our family. They're the long-lost brother and sister. We have to provide for them because they're hungry and thirsty, and they've traveled a great distance, and they've endured so much in life. But you know, when this happens, Jesus is quickly confronted by the reality of a world whose sights are not set on the kingdom. Did you notice that what happened when they were faced with such a drastic change in that man? What happened when they were faced with this power that was so different than theirs? A power to heal, a power to make well, a power to destroy. The, 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 their herd ran and destroyed itself by throwing itself off a cliff. They ask him to leave because they're so afraid and they're confused and they're frightened. Because the change has been too much, it's been too fast, and it's been uncomfortable because it's an economic disaster. It's costing them money. How are they supposed to make a living? The whole swine herd is gone. And so the man goes home, preaching the good news sharing his story. And we only pray that they all came to believe. Jesus leaves and is touched by, on the hem of his garment by a woman who so desperately needs healed, but she can't speak. And by a voiceless dead child, far too young to die. And the people who asked Jesus to leave, those people are left to wonder, I believe, with the scent of miracles still hanging in the air. Amen. God, we thank you for the blessing of your story, for the blessing of these people, the homecoming, the potential fear, the trust that each person going home had to have in you to make their feet walk in that direction. And yet you had the authority to calm the sea, to heal, and to change. We are so grateful to you, O God, that we are being transformed not only by your spirit, but by the loving arms of those around us who welcome us 
and hold us close. And we pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.